Theological Themes in Module 1 Naming theological themes is both a matter of critical reflection and imagination, that is, finding connections. Once we have such themes, we are better able to interpret situations and places, which helps us discern faithful responses. The module questions, readings, and resources involve a wide variety of theological themes. I have clustered them into four major topics. Ecclesiology, Incarnation, God and World, and Revelation. Ecclesiology is about the nature and mission of the Church. In Roots and Routes, I identified several ways that people might understand the mission of the Church and what we are trying to do in terms of empowering persons. One sense of mission might be the Great Commission, reconciling the world to God and forming disciples. Another might be the Great Commandment, fostering love of God and love of neighbor, and I might add love of creation. Another is forming a people of God, that is, forming a community of people reflecting Christ's likeness, the body of Christ. Another might be the transformation and repair of the world, going back to Micah 6.8 and creating a world of peaceable and just relationships, or Matthew 25, care for the marginalized, oppressed, and the suffering. It may be about saving from sin and brokenness, that is, overcoming sin, whether personal or social, in order to bring fullness and flourishing of life. There are so many questions around the organization of the church. To what extent is the church hierarchical and egalitarian? To what extent are roles and responsibilities fixed and changing depending on the need at hand? To what extent does the church organization reflect those of the larger culture? In many faith communities, a deficit mentality seems to prevail that is, thinking in terms of what is lacking rather than what gifts and assets are present. We need to look at the profound ways God graces communities with gifts and talents, and the things that impede their identification and utilization. Ableism, racism, sexism, heteronormativity all play a part in that impediment. Incarnation generally is about spirit and matter, and in that regard we could be looking at how we understand the world either embodying spirit or a very materialistic, void of spirit. And for some that's a, a big dichotomy, the world is only material. Another way people often think about incarnation is about God becoming flesh in Jesus. So incarnation becomes very specific in this sense of uh, the person of Jesus versus the prior general understanding of to what extent there is spirit in the world. There is a historically a significant ambivalence in Christianity about the body. And in terms of that, there are several sources of this. 
One is Greek philosophy that viewed the material world as corrupt and imperfect. A second is Paul's writing about the flesh and associating it with temptation and sin. A third flow, flows from these in terms of associating women with earth and body and men with intellect and spirit. A fourth is a sense that the physical world is one of suffering and sin, freedom from which will only come at the end of the world. So we need to consider whether we think of the soul trapped in a body or a body infused with soul. That question comes into play about how we understand being made in the image of God. Is it just our soul or spirit that is made in the image of God, or is our body as well? Answering that may go to the nature of God. Is God transcendent and disembodied? If so, how do we relate our bodies to God's image? Is it possible that God is imminent and the universe is God's body? In that case, perhaps all the aspects of our identity are contributors to the image of God in us. Our bodies, just as they are, reflect the image of God. There is a close connection between the ideas of incarnation and the relationship between God and world. Two terms that come up in relationship to understanding God and the world are transcendence and immanence. Transcendence tends to deal with the ways that God is differentiated from the world, and immanence how God is interwoven and a part of the fabric of the world. And there are different options or ways of thinking about that relationship. One option is to think of God and world totally uh, separated from each other. Here, transcendence is God outside of creation. But then we have a question about how this gap is bridged. Some would say the gap is bridged by God entering the world through particular moments and times of incarnation. Another option is to see God and world overlapping but and intersecting but distinct. So God intersects, interacts with the world, but is also apart from it. Another way of thinking of the relationship can be called panentheism. God is fully imminent in the world because the world is inside of God. God is also transcendent because God is more than the world and that God is not determined by the world. That is, even though the world is in God, God is, takes the experience of the world into God's self, God has enough autonomy to not be determined by the world. Conditioned, but not determined. In Revelation, or the ways that we know God, comes up and is expressed in a number of ways. We can think about knowing God through sacred texts. We can think of God, knowing God through personal and communal experience, both and in the contemporary world. We can think of knowing God through experience uh, historically of a community, so it's tradition. We can think of knowing God through creation and the contrast between knowing God through creation and sacred text 
Sometimes sacred texts are talked about as special revelation, unique and clear revelation through texts, and creation is a general revelation. The ways creation points to God um, as we encounter creation in ourselves. Revelation can be through the sciences and academic disciplines, through place, and through culture. And of course, running through this would be one's understanding of how God is related to the world. If you think God is very distinct and separate from the world, then you may not agree to thinking about creation, science, place, and culture as expressions of, of God in some way. So one of the big issues for us is if there is knowledge of, of God available through any of these forms, how do we reconcile or recognize what is a full revelation or full expression of God and what is something different, something uh, involving self-deception or self-interest rather than an openness or a full disclosure of God in some way. So that brings us to the issues of interpretation and discernment. So for our pur purposes, I think interpretation and discernment, we need an openness to the address of what we are interpreting, an awareness of what is shaping our interpretation, intentional methodology combined with artfulness and creativity, a capacity to evaluate and choose between multiple interpretations, humility in the face of our limitations and self-deceptions, sensitivity to the spirit, and that would be expressed also in prayer and a spirituality of interpretation. And we need a diverse community sharing in the interpretive practice. Diversity helps us keep our assumptions in check, although a community can be prone to groupthink. Uh, but I think a diverse community can help us see multiple angles and help our interpretations be rich and robust. So interpretation is a living, open-ended process. It's a keen attentiveness birthed by disciplines of study and spirituality. We need both discipline of study and a prayerful life and engagement with it, uh, what we are interpreting. And because interpretation shapes understanding that leads to actions and attitudes and vice versa, interpretation is inherently an ethical enterprise. The ways we read a text or a context is an ethical act in itself. Well, there's many ways that uh, and many themes that we could be exploring in this module. I imagine you have several in mind and I look forward to hearing and engaging those in class.